Let us pray. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Savior, today. Wash me just now, Lord. Wash me just now, as in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only, always living in me. Amen. Throughout the Bible, God calls upon us again and again to yield ourselves to him. He doesn't compel us. Instead, he invites us. Because you see, he wants consecration, not coercion. In our scripture lesson today, Jesus invites us to follow him. And he lays out exactly how to do it. He says that we need to take up our cross daily and follow him. And Jesus demonstrated for us just what that was like in the Garden of Gethsemane when he knelt there and prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, taking up your cross is surrendering your life to God through Jesus Christ. You know, we have uh, talked a couple of weeks ago about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, whether we acknowledge it or not. And one of the most important things that we can do to be happy in this life and forever is to surrender, to give up fighting him. In fact, there's a, a hymn that we, that we sing. There's one particular line in it. We're going to be singing it this, uh, uh, this morning for our closing hymn. And uh, it's spirit song. And there's one line there that just always jumps out to me. Lift your hands and sweet surrender to the Lord. Sweet surrender. Because giving your life totally to the Lord is the sweetest thing you'll ever do. You will experience love like you ever knew before. You will be able to love like you never were before. Sweet surrender. Lift your hands. Whenever somebody points a gun at you, what do you do? You lift your hands. That's right. You surrender. That's what you do. And so this is what we need to all do to the Lord because he is Lord. One of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of all, whether we admit it or not, 
we'll have to admit it one day. And it's so much better if we do it now. Many people who bear the name Christian have never experienced, sad to say, the reality of what God offers because they haven't taken up their cross yet. And they miss out on so much. The hymn writer John Samus shared a powerful truth right in the middle of his hymn, Trust and Obey, when he said, and we often sing, but we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. Until we lay it all down, there's no room for the Holy Spirit to come in. He's saying, if you really want me in your life, if you want forgiveness and peace and joy that you've never known before, the first thing you have to do is just give up. But you give up to him. I like you give up. You know, you don't give down. We give down all the time, don't we? You know, we give up, give up. You have to surrender. James McConkie in his book, Surrendered Life, puts it this way. How can that spirit lead, purify, transform, fill, and use a life unless it is yielded to him? You ever thought about that? These people that want to have the Holy Spirit present in their life and then have things their way too? Well, he says, he goes and he says, what can the potter do with unyielded clay? How can God fashion the unyielded life? Every idol he shatters, if every idol he shatters is secretly mourned, if every chastening stroke is bitterly denounced, if every higher purpose is resisted by a hostile will, how can he mold and transform and bless? Surely the ship which God is not piloting is destined to disastrous wreck. Surely the harp which God does not attune will ever be a jangle of discordant notes to his learning ear. If we would have them restored to their perfection, we yield our disordered timepiece to the watchmaker, our costly gem with its broken setting to the jeweler, our wounded, bleeding limb to the hand of the surgeon. Can we do less toward God with the priceless treasure of life if we would have it meet our highest aspiration? Wherefore, the word of God calls upon us again and again to yield, yield, yield. And he puts those in capital letters, yield ourselves to God. If we would have his spirit hold full sway of our lives he will not compel such surrender. He wants consecration, not coercion. But his fullest purpose of grace, blessing, and ministry is simply baffled in the life which will not yield to him. Nothing is more striking in Christ's earth, earthly life 
than this attitude of absolute submission to the Father. There's so many people that just want to give God a little when he's asking for it all. You can't just put a little bit of yourself on the cross. It's all got to go. Now, you've heard me say this before. If you had uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast this morning, the hen contributed to the breakfast. The hog was committed to it. And that's just the way it is. And to go, the Lord is wanting true commitment, consecration, total giving of oneself. You must accept him for who he is, the Lord, the ruler of life. You can't say you're his if you haven't given yourself to him. And there are a lot of people that want to do that. They'll say they're his and then they're hanging on and they're not letting go. And yet, let's face it, we surrender all the time, don't we? Stop and think about it. When you get on an airplane and you sit down and you take your seat, you have surrendered your life into the hands of a pilot. Somebody you may not have ever even seen his face, but you have, or her face nowadays, uh, you put your total trust in them. You put your life in their hands. You put your life in their hands to see you safely to your destination. There's nothing you can do about it except just trust. And usually it pays off. More times than not, praise God. Okay, I've been operated on several times. The first time I fought it, I mean, I was like six years old and they were taking out my tonsils and they stuck the ether mask on my face and it felt like I was suffocating and I started fighting and screaming, stop it, you're killing me. And uh, it took everybody in the operating room to hold me down till I passed out. I did not surrender that time. But since I've matured, now I know that I can entrust myself into the doctor's hands. And I've been operated on a couple of times since. And in those particular times, I trust that they're going to do the right thing. God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, that's what God says. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to bless you and love you and take you into his arms and say, I forgive you. I'll change your life. And when you die, you're going to come to heaven and be with me. That's what God's saying. If you will surrender totally and completely, but you can't hold anything back. I remembered last night, a preacher telling a story about having one of the most wonderful music directors ever. And I've had some good ones and I've had some scary ones, but uh, the good ones, you know, they're wonderful. And this music director was the most godly man that this pastor ever knew. And yet one evening as he was leading them in singing, 
I surrender all just beautifully. All of a sudden, he just put down his hymnal. And while everybody else continued to sing, he just knelt at the altar and he wept. After it was over, the shocked pastor went over to him and said, what was going on? He said, you know, I have sung this song for years. And every time I sing it and I sing, I surrender all. In the very back of my heart, I'm saying, except this one thing, I surrender all but this one thing. Tonight, I surrendered that one thing. Well, I want to take you through a checklist to help you just check and see. Have you surrendered all? Uh, Or is there just one thing that you've been holding back? As you listen to the rest of this message, prayerfully ask the Lord, what's that one thing that I haven't surrendered? Because that's the one thing that's barring you from wonderful fellowship with him. First thing that you have to surrender, Sharon talked about this last week, is your heart. You have to surrender your heart. The Bible says, for as a person thinks in his or her heart, so are they. Your heart. Jesus said that everything comes forth from the heart. I remember back whenever I was a in the claims, uh, the claims field, insurance claims field, I would investigate people stealing from their employers. And um, I did that a lot. And uh, I was amazed that I would see people with exactly the same backgrounds, exactly the same uh, credentials and everything. And yet one would starve before they would steal. And the other would steal and rationalize that was okay. And I prayerfully considered this. I mean, it was intriguing to me because oh, there's this big argument going on back then and it's still going today, hereditary versus environment and everything being equal, what's left? And I figured out finally that it's like there's this compass, a moral compass within us. And in those who uh, do right, and are morally morally right, that compass points one way. And yet, in the hearts of those who do wrong, the compass points the other. There's something deep inside in our heart that's directing what our outward actions are going to be. Well, uh, Jesus said, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. What do you think in your heart? What are you really like deep down on the inside? Because that's who you really are. Have you surrendered your heart? Or are you trying to hang on to the direction that arrow points? Secondly, surrender your mind. Now, when you surrender your mind to God, it means not only what we think, but how we think. Some think that when you come to Christ, you have to leave your mind behind. 
but our faith is not irrational. Jesus will stand the inspection of any scientist, mathematician, or intellectual in the world. I read that by the time you're college age, you'll have seen more than 200,000 television commercials. Can you believe that? Congress debated at one point what influence advertising was having on children's behavior. Our minds get saturated with violence or swearing or sex or whatever. A survey found that 77% of all allusions to sex on network television involve sex outside of marriage, and that cheapens love. The Bible says you were taught to regard your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new. You can be made new. You see, your mind is more than a computer. In a computer, the programs don't get stronger the more you use them. But that's not true of what you see and hear. What is repeated is reinforced in our minds. What we remember influences what we do. Television also creates a problem or a dilemma. And when in 30 minutes, neatly, uh, 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 anyway, you, whenever there, it presents a dilemma, and then at the end of 30 minutes, it's neatly resolved. The problem is resolved. And the viewer enjoys a feeling of resolution and release. But that's not the way it is in real life. In real life, our problems don't go away in 30 minutes, do they? Of course, Sharon, I watch some series that takes an hour, you know, but still, it's all tied up and neat little bow stuck on top of it when at the end of the day. Okay, so uh, we're, we're conditioned to want things resolved immediately, right now. I want gratification now. I want my way now. God, what's taking you so long? The Bible says, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, think on these things. Is that what you think about? You think about good things? Or do you think about things that you know aren't right and aren't doing you all that much good? The Bible says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, your mind, is stayed. That means directed toward him or you. You're talking to the Lord. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Get your mind on Christ every day, all day long, because the devil's fighting for your soul. There are two forces at work inside of you. One is satanic and one is of God. Don't let the devil corrupt your mind. Paul says in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, surrender your body. One of the greatest debates going on today is who owns our bodies. Doctors, lawyers, clergy, judges, and juries debate the moral, ethical, and legal sides of this issue. And the questions surrounding suicide, euthanasia, and abortion 
center on the issues of who owns and controls your body. So who controls your body? The Bible says your body doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to God. And it also says that if you're a Christian, it's God's temple. Your body is God's temple and he dwells in you if you really know Christ. This includes the area of sexuality. God made us sexual human beings, men and women. The scholar Eugene Kennedy wrote that sexuality is being used for a whole host of reasons for which it was never intended. And that is so true. You see, there's no such thing as free sex and free love. There's a price tag attached of broken relationships and broken hearts and broken bodies and broken families. God created us as sexual beings, but from the beginning, God planned that the full expression of sex is to be within marriage. About the only thing we have left, don't know if you've noticed this, the only thing we have left from the Garden of Eden is the family, husband, wife, and children. And the enemy, Satan, is using everything he can to destroy this last vestige of vestige of purity that we have left from the garden. What about you? If you've made a mistake in this area, if you have sinned in this area, you can ask God to forgive you and change you, and he will. You can surrender this area to him, and he'll give you the power to resist temptation. He'll do it. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers will inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't go to heaven unless you get this cleared up. And the only way to get it cleared up is at the cross, where the blood of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus said, you must be born again. You can start all over with a brand new life. He'll forgive all the past and give you power for the future. Your heart can be changed. It's changed through prayer. It's changed through reading the Bible. It's changed by listening to the Holy Spirit. Everybody is tempted. The devil tempts every one of us. I've been tempted I started to say hundreds of times. Let's say hundreds of thousands of times. So have you. Temptation isn't sin. It's when you yield to temptation that it becomes sin. Christ died to give you a new heart and a new desire. The fourth and last thing, surrender your will. This is the toughest Surrender your will. This is where the rubber meets the road. Before Jesus healed or helped people, he would often say, will you or are you willing? And I'm asking you this morning, will you surrender just that one area of life that the Lord's been tapping you on the shoulder about and saying, hey, hey. You're missing out on so much and you're afraid to let that one thing go. I'm asking you, will you surrender to Christ? 
Will you let Christ dominate your life and be the Lord of your life? Will you? That's the question he asks. The scripture says, whosoever will, let him come. Have you surrendered yourself unconditionally to him? Have you given him your heart, your mind, your body, and your will? Have you given him those things? What is the one thing that you're holding on to? Will you surrender to him this morning as we come to the Lord's table? He's just waiting to come into your life in deeper ways than he's ever been before. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.